Welcome. Here is this past Sunday's sermon from Grant Memorial Church. Well, good morning, Grant Memorial. It is great to see some warm bodies in the seats today. Oh, it's so wonderful uh, to gather together around God's Word. It's also wonderful to know that the empty seats here represent so many others who are joining us online. Uh, We know that you are with us, and we hope that you know that. Uh, My name is Cam, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grant, and I want uh, to welcome you here this morning, whether that's uh, in the flesh or online. Uh, Speaking of online, I I don't know about you, but in my opinion, one of the best things about the internet is the advent of digital music streaming services, right? Spotify, Apple Music, and others like them. It is amazing to me that for $10 a month or whatever it is, I own almost every album ever created, right? Isn't that incredible? If we even think about a song, we can have it playing within a few seconds, a few clicks, or if you're the adventurous type and don't mind Big Brother listening, uh, just a few words to a smart speaker, and you can hear any song you want to. No matter the mood, you can have an endless supply of music, And perhaps the best part is that we can have that without the need for one of those tacky CD stands that we used to all have in our living rooms, right? Well, I listen to a variety of different music, many styles and genres from different eras. But if you were to check my listening history on Spotify, you would notice that I use Spotify primarily to listen to music that I grew up with, nostalgic music, right? I have an 80s love ballad playlist, I have a 90s alternative rock playlist, a 90s dance mix playlist, my high school jams, emo and ska. I've got worship playlists from several different eras, golden oldies playlists, you name it. If I listened to it at one point growing up, I have access to it now and likely give it a listen every once in a while. Now, I've noticed a few nodding heads as I've been saying this. It seems like I'm not the only one foraging for classic gems on Spotify. Now, for those who know what I'm talking about, let me ask you, have you had the experience of listening to a song that you used to listen to quite a bit, and now for the first time actually realizing what the song was about? Have you experienced that? A song that you sung along to for years, and maybe you're just hearing the lyrics for the first time now? Perhaps it was a song you figured was innocent, but isn't so innocent after all. Or a song you thought was simply fun-loving is actually a a political statement that you didn't know was being made? Has anyone else been there? Maybe you realize that uh, you'd never really listened to the song that you had heard hundreds of times before. You see, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Let me say that again. There's a difference between hearing something and actually listening to it. So uh, when you think that your spouse doesn't hear a word you say, take heart, they do hear it. They're just not listening. Wait, that didn't come out as encouraging as I hoped it would. Uh, But either way, today we're continuing our journey in the Gospel of Mark, a biography of sorts of the life and message of Jesus Christ as told through the eyewitness accounts of one of his closest friends, the Apostle Peter. 
And in today's text, uh, Jesus highlights this distinction between hearing and listening, calling us to be those who listen to what we hear when it comes to the message of the kingdom of God. So with that said, I invite you to open your copy of God's word with me to Mark chapter 4. And I invite you to lean in and listen to what it has to say. So we're starting at Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But those who are on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray today that you would teach us, that you would challenge us, that you would mold us through it today. Amen. Did you catch how our text started today? Verse 1, it said, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. So if you tuned in last week, uh, what you'll notice is that after last week's text, when Jesus' teaching and ministry was interrupted by his family and some scribes from Jerusalem trying to convince him to stop, Jesus here does not heed their advice. And he gets back to doing what he had come to do. The religious leaders could not derail him. His own family could not derail him. Judgment, slander, misunderstanding, accusations, unbelief, skepticism, none of this could derail Jesus from the mission he came to accomplish of preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And immediately here, we are faced with this question of ourselves. 
Will we continue to preach or speak of the word of God, to press on in the will of the Father, even when people say all kinds of terrible things about us, or when the government threatens criminal conviction for sharing the truth? Will we continue when those around us tell us it would be wise to stop? I sure hope that like Jesus, we won't let anything get in the way of the gospel. Well, Jesus pressed on. And God provided the people to hear. The crowd, who we've encountered numerous times in Mark, continues to press in to Jesus. Now, likely for, hearing, for healing, but nonetheless, they are here. They are there to hear as Jesus preaches. And as we've noticed already, the crowd is not exactly polite. Right? This is not a, a timid Canadian crowd. At every turn, Jesus is mobbed by these people, and they certainly don't respect social distancing or personal space. And so Jesus gets into a boat that the disciples have prepared for him, creating almost an amphitheater effect, teaching from a floating stage so that more could hear his teachings. Well, what does he teach? Verse 2 says, He taught them many things by parables. Now, there's much to say about parables and why Jesus taught this way, but we're going to put, put off further study until next week. But for today, by way of a, of a basic definition, a parable is simply a story that is told to illustrate a point, usually moral or ethical. Right? The, the word parable literally means to hold up against. It's, it's to compare. So a parable is holding a reality of some sort up side by side with a story so that we learn about that reality through the comparison or model of the story. And this seems to be Jesus' preferred way of teaching about the kingdom of God. Now, this definition of a parable being an illustrative story may lead some to believe that they are easy to understand. But I can assure you that they are not. Jesus' parables are complex leading us to ponder rather than simply nod along to the obvious. Their, their hearers are invited into the stories themselves and asked to wrestle with the nuances of the parable. And probably the best hint that these parables are not simple or easy to understand is how Jesus' own disciples react to this parable of the sower. In verse 10, it says, when he was alone, when he was done, when, when the people had gone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about those parables, <laughs> right? What is their immediate reaction to the teaching stories of Jesus? Confusion, right? The disciples didn't get it. The disciples asked for clarification. And thankfully for us, Jesus provides it. Now, I don't want us to miss this truth, you see, even those who knew the culture, who spoke the language, those who knew Jesus personally didn't quite get it. And so church, it's okay when we come across passages of scripture that are difficult and we don't quite understand everything completely. We don't need to understand everything to take a leap of faith. Right? I, I didn't know everything that there was to know about my wife before I married her, but I took the leap of faith anyways, and I'm sure glad that I did. And in the same way, 
there's no shame in not understanding all that the scriptures teach or in the inability to answer every question others may have about the Bible. Right? We trust that the Spirit of God will do as Jesus did in this text, that he will reveal the truth to his followers when they ask. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So when we encounter the parables and other hard teachings, may we rest in the fact that God understands what we don't, and he is the one in control, and he can and, lead, can and will lead us to understand whatever we need to know to honor him and to live in his kingdom. Again, more on parables in general next week, but today we're invited to examine the famous parable of the sower, the, the first parable that Mark chooses to share from what verse 2 suggests were many teachings, many parables that day. So let's walk through the parable using Jesus' own words later on in the passage as the commentary to see what Jesus is inviting us to hear. And make no mistake, Jesus is inviting us to listen closely to his words. In fact, the parable itself, I don't know if you noticed, begins and ends with a summons to hear. Uh, verse 3, at the beginning of the parable, Jesus commands simply, listen. Right? That's the first thing he says, listen. And then he ends the parable with the invitation in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This parable is about hearing. It's almost a parable about listening to parables. And we had better hear and listen to this one, as Jesus says a little bit later on in explaining it to the disciples, if we're going to get anything out of the rest of them. Now, the premise is simple. A farmer scatters seed in four different places. But the seed only germinates or produces a crop in one of those places. He starts in verse 3. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Which Jesus later explains in verse 14 as, The farmer sows the word. So right off the top, Jesus points out that the seed is the word of God. That the seed represents the good news, the gospel of the message of the kingdom of God. Now, that makes the farmer in this parable who? God, right? The, the message is the very word of God, the very truth of God. And it is he, through the spirit, through the Bible, through teachers, that distributes the word into the world. So the sower is God and the seed is his word scattered throughout the world. Now notice that the sower and the seed remain the same throughout the story in every instance, which means that the independent variable here, thank you grade seven science, is the soil, right? So, so our parable invites us to examine the various types of soil that the word lands on. And in the first two words of verse 15, we see what the soil represents. Some people, it says. Some people. It's, it's us. 
right? We are the different soils, or more specifically, as Luke's account of this parable suggests, the soil is our hearts. You see, these short little uh, sentences give us so much information about the parable and what Jesus means in teaching it. Right? Just like the sower in the story, God is actively sowing his word throughout the world so that all may hear and know the truth. That we may receive it and the gospel would produce fruit in us. Right? That's what's happening here. Now, for the farmers who may be tuning in, or for anyone who's planted seeds before, you may be wondering about the efficiency of God as a sower. It seems like he's scattering the seed haphazardly, right? In a sense, he's wasting the seed, right? Any good farmer is intentional about where they sow. Why would a farmer throw seed on a dirt path in rocky soil or among the thorns? Well, there have been all sorts of explanations about the nature of agriculture at the time that maybe provide some clues as to why this was commonplace. But for our purposes today, I don't want to get into that. The point, for the point of the, of the story, what we can conclude is that God sows his word to every corner of the earth. Right? That's what it's saying. There, there is nowhere that God is not active. There is nowhere that God does not provide the opportunity for his creation to come to know him and to grow in their knowledge of him. Right? God's scattering is not willy-nilly. Right? E- even his what seems to be irresponsible sowing is intentional. Right? Church, God is not careless. He is not hasty or reckless. God is sending out his word to every heart so that all may hear, even if there will be some who choose not to listen. As Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. God is scattering seed and will continue to send out his word until the very end of days. And while we may think it looks irresponsible, God, like the father of the prodigal son, will watch and wait for any and everyone to respond to the word and come home. 1 Timothy 2, 3-4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay, so God, the sower, sends his word, the seed, out to the ends of the earth, and when the gospel lands on different hearts, soils, it produces vastly different results. That's the basic summary of the teaching, is that not all hearts will receive the word of God in the same way. Now this parable has been almost exclusively used in regards to people hearing and receiving the gospel for the first time, right? Does someone say yes to Jesus? Does someone say the sinner's prayer or not, right? That's how this text has been understood and taught over and over and over again. And that's true. It, it, It does apply here. We can think of these soils in their relation to to their reception of the gospel or not from a salvation perspective, for sure. 
right? There are some who will receive the gospel of God immediately or who will reject, sorry, the gospel immediately and permanently. There are some who will receive the gospel quickly and then fall away. There are some who will receive the gospel but choose to pursue other things. There are some who will receive the gospel and their lives and eternities will be changed forever. And I believe that many of us, by the grace of God, can count ourselves among those who have received the gospel and found salvation in Christ. Right? That is absolutely true. And it's absolutely amazing. But assuming that most of us tuning in today, not all, but most, are believers, we have heard, we have listened to, and accepted the gospel at some point in our lives, it's important for us to look at this parable from another angle, from one that is maybe less comfortable and forces us to consider the current state of our hearts towards the word of God. You see, church, what we can't miss is that this parable provides a warning to all of us regarding how we hear and listen to the word of God any and every time we encounter it. This parable is not limited to a parable about Christians and non-Christians, right? How good, how we are such good soil and all those out there are bad soil and how do we change their soil, right? That's not what it is limited to. It, It speaks of the fruitfulness of the word of God in all of our lives. And we would be amiss to sit back and listen to this parable assuming that we're the good soil, right? I'm the good soil, right? I'm the good guys here. This actually doesn't even really apply to me. This text is for somebody else who really has something to learn or something to change, but I'm okay, right? We read it like we have nothing to gain from the word of God, right? Sure, we may have received the gospel Once We may be saved, but the question for us is, are we continuing to be fruitful because we are regular listeners to the word of God as it continues to come forth in our lives? Are we attentive and receptive to God's word in church when the word is preached? Are we attentive and receptive to God's word in our daily devotions, in our small groups and Bible studies? Are we receptive to to the Holy Spirit when we're convicted about something in our lives? The question is, how is the word of God landing in our hearts each and every time we encounter it? As a friend of mine once said to me about the word of God, he said there's only two options in regards to our relationship with Scripture. Scripture is either twisting and changing you or you are twisting and changing Scripture. If we are not being changed daily, if we're not being twisted and changed as we encounter the word of God by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12, 2, perhaps we need to take a serious look at what the soil of our hearts actually is. We may be saved and sealed followers of the king, but remain unfruitful in many areas of our lives because we don't hear the word and listen when it is sown. So with that said, our focus today will be on those within the church, right? How all of us are doing in terms of fruitfulness in the kingdom. And to do so, 
let us consider the various soils that Jesus suggests as illustrations of our hearts. And the first type of heart or soil that Jesus mentions is a hard heart. Right? A hard heart that's represented by the path in this parable. Verse 4. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And Jesus' commentary here says in verse 15, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And all of us, I think, can imagine seed sitting on top of a well-worn, well-traveled path. Right? It doesn't penetrate the earth, but the seed just sits on top, which makes it good for what? Bird food, right? The seed lands, the parable suggests, that, that the word is heard, but nothing ever happens before it is unheard or gone. 19th century English Baptist minister Alexander McLaren writes about this. He says, is not this the description of a mournfully large proportion of hearers of God's truth? It never gets deeper than their ears or at most affects a shallow lodgment on the surface of their minds. So many feet pass along the path and beat it into hardness that the truth has no chance to take root. Now, as I mentioned before, we're not talking about those other hard-hearted people outside of these walls here, right? Before we assume that this description is certainly not us, McLaren continues revealing that he's not speaking about those outside the church. He continues, Habitual indifference to the gospel, marked by an utterly unmeaning and even unreal acceptance of it, and by equally habitual uh, decorous attendance on its preaching is the condition of a dreadfully large proportion of churchgoers. Their very familiarity with the truth robs it of all penetrating power. They know all about it as they suppose, and so they listen to it as they would to the clank of a mill wheel to which they are accustomed, missing its noise if it stops and liking to be sent to sleep by its hum. As soon as the preacher's voice is silent or the book is closed, the words are forgotten. Wow, church, what a word for us. How many of us, myself included, move on immediately after we check our spiritual events off the list, right? The second small group is over, we're on to the next thing and we don't even remember what we talked about. Or the second church is done, we're thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch and who we're connecting with. Or the instant our devotions are finished, we're off to start the day as if all of these things were meant for mere motivation or refreshment rather than a daily call to live our lives like Christ in a radically countercultural way. Right? When, when we hear the word, how many of us are so calloused by our years in church by our familiarity with the word that we're actually numb to the active word shaping us and calling us to something new? Are we so comfortable in our salvation that we quench the Spirit's ongoing work in our lives? 
Or when we come across a parable like this that we've heard a hundred times before, how many of us assume we know it and tune out, right? When I started reading the text, how many of our default was, yeah, I've heard this before. I know how this one goes. Right? How many of us tune out the word of God rather than humbly approaching the scriptures each and every time we encounter it with a soft heart, asking God to bring fruitful growth out of it in our lives? Right? My prayer is that God would plow our hard hearts until our soil is soft, that we may receive the word whenever it is sown. And then it may take root and produce tangible fruit in our lives. Because like a bird, we have an enemy who tries to snatch the word out of our hearts, out of our minds, before it can have any impact in our lives. May we listen, truly listen, even to that which we have heard a thousand times before and open ourselves up to the possibility of being changed because it's the word of God we're dealing with and it has the ability to produce incredible fruit in us if we let it. The next type of soil that Jesus points out is a shallow heart. So there's a hard heart and there's a shallow heart represented by the seed sown on rocky ground. Verse five and six. Some seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, the example here that Jesus is using is seed planted on on land that had a thin layer of soil over a limestone bedrock. Right? And as the rainy season ends and the sun shines, the shallow soil heats up much quicker than deeper soil would. And the rock underneath kind of creates a sort of greenhouse effect, so seeds planted there sprout really quickly, right? much quicker than the rest. And, and they promise at first to be the best of the crop. But... The sun rises, the unrelenting heat demands that roots go down deep for water and the bedrock prevents this, right? Ultimately causing what sprouted so quickly and so promisingly to become scorched and wither away completely. As Pastor Mark Dever says, these plants are quickly green and quickly gone, And Jesus provides us with the interpretation in verse 16 and 17. He says, Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Our text says that there are hearts like rocky soil that receive the word of God with joy. They hear it, they respond to it, but their hearing proves to be superficial when things get difficult. Like the crowd we read about following Jesus, they are eager to come to get something from Jesus, but they may not be as eager to spend something. Or when uh, what they committed to gets difficult and there proves to be a cost and not simply a reward these people fall away because this isn't what they signed up for 
Now, for the new believer, we can understand what this means, right? A, a short walk with Jesus until they realize the cost is too great, at which point they walk away from their faith, right? We, we have that in our minds. We understand what that means. But what does it mean for us? I think for us, well, there's a number of examples. Maybe for you, it's the spiritual disciplines that prove this kind of soil in your life, right? We commit really quickly. We commit to a, a daily Bible reading plan, or a regular prayer schedule, and we're thrilled about it, right? We, we tell everybody, we post about it on social media, but soon, when the shimmer uh, has worn off and we don't want to wake up early anymore, or we don't want to read through Leviticus, our commitments wither and we fall away from what we have been convicted to do. Or maybe we hear a challenging message from the scriptures encouraging us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And, and as you heard the word and the spirit convicted you, you were resolved to forgive, you know, that person in your life. But it didn't go as planned. They didn't reciprocate or they continued to do the same things. And suddenly your fervor for forgiveness had died and you're harboring more bitterness than before. Or maybe, simply, being a Christian 15 years ago was just a lot easier than it is now. And now it's hard to hold to the teachings of the Bible without losing friends or impacting family. Church, we need to dig our roots down deep, built on the beautiful reality and power of the gospel, not on the ease of our belief or comfort along the journey. Next, Jesus points out the thorny ground, which represents those with a distracted heart. A hard heart, a shallow heart, and a distracted heart. Verse 18 and 19. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I'm not sure I even need to expand on this one. Right? Jesus gave us a pretty exhaustive list of that which chokes our faith. Right? How many of us, if we're honest, have our fruitfulness impacted by worry? Impacted by money? Impacted by the pursuit of other things? Right? All of us. This is a pretty exhaustive list. How many of us hear and understand the word? We're in all the Bible studies. We're regular church attenders. We listen to all the right music. We teach it to our children. But when the rubber hits the road, our allegiances, our hope, our default lies elsewhere. Right? We claim to have the peace that passes understanding, but we can't sleep at night because we're crippled by fear regarding getting sick or what the government will do or how we're going to get by. Right? And while we've heard the scriptures say, fear not for I am with you, be not dismayed for I am your God, we haven't listened so that it changes our perception of reality. Or we say, Jesus is first in my life, but our calendars would suggest we serve a host of different gods, from the God of kids' activities to the God of self-care and so on, 
right? We, we hear the command in Scripture to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But have we really listened we think we've put our, our, our trust in Christ, but our fixation on accumulating bank accounts, retirement funds, and investment opportunities seem to claim otherwise. Right? We claim to be passionate about the kingdom, but we're much more likely to, to tell someone about a new band, a new restaurant, a product, cryptocurrency, or a multi-level marketing opportunity than we are about Jesus. How many of us can say we aren't distracted? And there are no thorns threatening to choke out meaningful responses to the word of God. Church, may we listen to the word and let it produce a real harvest of faith, of hope, of trust in our lives. Not distracted by every wind that blows, but keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, here's the good news. There is a soil that produces fruit. There is a heart that the word dwells in. And Jesus calls it the good soil, or as we call it today, a soft heart. Verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Can you see the significant difference here? What did the other soils produce? Nothing. But the heart that is soft multiplied. So what is it that makes the difference in this fourth example? The, the sower was the same. The seed was the same. All the examples heard the word of God, we read. But, but it's this final person, this final heart state that our, as our text this morning says, accepts it, right? That's the difference. They hear, everyone, these other three says they hear, but, they hear, but, they hear, but, and this one says they hear and, they hear and they accept it. A soft heart, church, is a receptive heart. We started off this morning with a statement that there's a difference between hearing and listening or receiving what it is that you hear. And this parable makes it, makes it extremely clear that the soft heart accepts the word, receives it, and the word takes root. Right? The soft heart, in short, takes the word of God seriously. The soft heart takes the word of God seriously. Taking its promises to heart and obeying its commands. You see, the word produces fruit in our lives only when we let it impact our lives. Only when we do what it says. Listen to what the late R.C. Sproul points out about this text. He says, there's an unusual twist in the Greek language. The verb to hear is akouen, and the verb to obey is hupakouen, which simply adds the prefix hoop, which we would translate as hyper. 
So in biblical terms, obedience is hyper-hearing. There's hearing, and then there's hyper-hearing. That's what Jesus was calling for here, the kind of hearing that goes beyond the eardrum and affects the heart, prompting obedience. Real hearing results in obedience. Or as Pastor Rob Rice simply states, if you are not obedient to the words of Christ, then you are not listening to him. Church, there's a difference between hearing and heeding. And we've been called to heed the word of God. You see, reading the Bible daily is not worth anything unless you do what it says. Attending church regularly on Sundays doesn't matter unless the word impacts you and you leave differently. Reading godly Christian books, studying or or listening to, to, to Christian podcasts, getting Christian degrees, attending Bible studies, they're all useless unless they impact us, unless we let the word of God not only land on our hearts, but nestle in, sink down deep and make its home there. But here's the promise, church. If and when we do As Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of God dwell within us richly. There will be fruit in our lives and it will be multiplied in the lives of those around us. May the Lord be praised with that result. Now I want us to end today a little differently than we normally do. And so as the band comes up, I invite you from wherever you are to stand up and to join me in reading aloud a section from Psalm 119. Okay, you can go ahead and stand up. And you at home, I know you're hesitant to get up off your couch. Stand up and join us. Together, by reading this section of the psalm, I want us to make a verbal declaration that we want to be people who take the word of God seriously, who crave and ingest the word of God as if we're starved without it, and who are obedient to what it says when God speaks through it. May this be the anthem and prayer of a people who don't simply hear the word but listen and heed the word and see a great harvest because of it. Let's read. How can a young person stay pure? By living according to your word. Okay, let's, let's be loud. Let's declare this out together. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees I will not neglect your word. Amen. Thanks for listening with us. For more information about our church or upcoming services and events, please visit us at grantmemorial.ca 
or on social media at at Grant Memorial Church. <laughs> <laughs>